Amen. Thanks for your worship. Go ahead and be seated. We are in Romans chapter 8 today. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Romans chapter 8, one of the greatest chapters in all of the New Testament. If you didn't bring a Bible, no big deal. If you're brand new to church and don't even own a Bible, no big deal. Everything that we say today will be on the screen so that you can follow along. If you have a smartphone, you can download the Journey Church International app. Everything on our screen can be in a handheld device if you just go to sermon notes for that day. Uh, If you're more a paper and pen guy like me, you can reach inside your bulletin and pull out the notes so that you can follow along and take notes during today's message. And if you happen to be joining us online, streaming live wherever you are, thanks for being with us this morning for Church at Journey Church International. We're in week three of a series that we're calling This Is My Story. We are learning to see Jesus in the middle of our story so that we can learn to share Jesus as the center of our lives in our story so that we can have the impact that God wants us to have because here is our spiritual belief in this series. Our belief is that who you are is important to God. God knows you. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. He raised him from the dead for you. We believe who you are in life is very important to God and where you are in life, what you've experienced in life, what you are experiencing in life, the best days and the worst days of your life. We believe where you are in life can be impactful to others. And if you would give that to God as a part of your story, he would turn and use it for his glory in the world. The last two weeks, here's what we've been learning in this series. For those of you who haven't been here, we've learned that our story has great spiritual value because our savior has a great spiritual vision. Jesus said in John 12, 32, if he was lifted up on the cross, that he would draw all of humanity to himself. But one of the ways he would draw humanity to himself was by telling people to look at your story, by telling people to look at who God is in your life, by telling people to look at what Christianity looks like by studying you. So your story has a great purpose and great value because our Savior has a great spiritual vision. And we learn that we don't need to show people just the good parts of the story. We learn that we don't need to just show people what we dress up and look like on Sunday morning or what we look like at a Bible study. But we learned last week the strength of our story occurs when we're small in our own eyes and we realize our life is a broken mess. But we realize that only God can make our broken mess a beautiful ministry. Last Sunday, we had 37 people who made a spiritual decision to say yes to Jesus, who said, my life is a broken mess, but if Jesus can make it a beautiful ministry, I need him. I came in not knowing who he was, but I need him in my life. It was a powerful Sunday realizing that we don't have to clean ourselves up to get to God. We give, him to, we give ourselves to him just the way that we are, and he takes us and he cleans us up and then uses our story. That was last Sunday. And two Sundays, we'll be here for Easter. If you have anyone in your life whose life right now is a broken mess, you say, man, if anyone needs help, they do, please bring them with you on Easter Sunday or to one of our Easter Saturday services. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. We'll be taking communion together as a church celebrating the last week of Jesus' life, and we'll be celebrating baptisms. If you're a Christian who has not yet been baptized, what better time than Palm Sunday when Jesus rode into Jerusalem proclaiming that he was the king than Palm Sunday for you to tell the world you believe Jesus is king. If you've been thinking about getting baptized, you can sign up on this little form in your bulletin. Drop that in the box when you leave, and we will contact you about sharing your story next Sunday at church. Today, though, we're looking at a different part of our story. Not just the value, not just the brokenness, but today we're trying to answer this question about this part of our story. What happens when the promises of the Bible don't seem to match the experiences of our lives? What do we do then? What happens when the promises of the Bible don't seem to match the experiences 
the current reality of our life? Is this where our spiritual story ends? Is this where we quit? Is this where we check out? Is this where we're not invested? Is this where we believe it holds no value for us? Or is this really where our faith story is just beginning? If you're in here today and you have anything on your body that hurts, I want you to touch it right now. I'm not going to have you heal yourself. We're not one of those churches. But like if anything in your body hurts, like my left shoulder always hurts. It's an old injury. Uh, My knees and feet and ankles hurt when I run. If you have anything in your body that hurts, I want you to touch it. Because almost every hurt in your body has some kind of story associated with it. You can touch what hurts you and you think, oh yeah, that's from when I did this and that's from when I you know, ran into the banister and that's when I ran into the edge of the bed and that's when I got hurt in fifth grade and that's when my brother threw this thing at me. Then most of our stories have a hurt. If you have a hurt that doesn't have the story, the story is you're getting old. Like I have learned when your body hurts, but you don't know why. Your story is you're just, you're just getting old. So even that hurt has a story. And what I want to teach you today, spiritually speaking, is this. All of the hurts, all of the struggles, all of the suffering in your life spiritually have a story behind them. And that story can actually become the strength of your faith. It can become the hope of your faith if you learn to see it correctly. And it can become the most impactful part of your story for someone in your life who may be looking at you as they're being drawn to Jesus saying, what does faith look like. Today's text in Romans chapter 8 is going to present two really powerful truths. Before we jump into Romans chapter 8, we're kind of going to go a verse at a time today, real slow through Romans chapter 8, so keep your Bible or your app open um, on your lap. Let's pray and ask that God would show us how maybe some of the hurts in our lives uh, were, were allowed there so that we could have hope in our future. Would you bow your heads with me? And across this room and with those watching online, would you take a deep breath right now? Would you try to clear anything out of your mind and heart for the next hour except what Jesus is saying to you? And would you ask God today to speak to you about the hurts and struggles and suffering in your life and to show you how those point to hope? Maybe you just need to pray and ask God to give you hope because your situation is quite hopeless as it sits today. God, show us in Romans chapter 8 how our suffering can be leveraged for our greatest hope, how our struggles can turn to hope. That's our prayer. We pray you'll show us that today in our stories. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. So we're going to look today at Romans chapter 8. We're going to learn two things. Here's the first thing we're going to learn before we jump into scripture. Present suffering, according to the apostle Paul, is worth future glory. Paul's going to tell us in Romans chapter 8 that our present suffering... Whatever you're going through is worth going through for future glory. Now, that assumes something about your story that maybe you're thinking to yourself. Some of you might be thinking, Christian, there's no way you can believe that. That has to be impossible for you to say about me because you don't know what I'm suffering through right now. Christian, you can't know whether or not that statement applies to me because you don't know what I'm going through right now. I would counter and say this, I can say That statement applies to you if you're a Christian because I know where you're going to. I may not know what you're going through, but I know what you're going to. And if you're a Christian, if you can become more focused on eventually where you're going to in eternity, Paul would say everything we go through on earth is worth getting us to where we're going in eternity. And Paul would say it this way in Romans chapter 8. We'll start in verse 18 today. We'll end up in verse 29, but it'll take us a while to get there. Here's what Paul says to the church in Rome. He said, I consider, 
you have a pen and a Bible, circle the word consider. He said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, Paul talks a little bit about suffering, and I want to be honest with you today. It takes a long time to talk about suffering spiritually. This October, we will be in a series called Grim Reaper. And we will be in October talking about what Christians should believe about death and suffering for this reason. I see more Christians give up in their spiritual journey because they experience a death or suffer than any other area of their life. More than being tempted by sin, more than being busy in life, more than being intellectually talked into not believing. I see more Christians take a huge step back in their life spiritually when they go through a death or they suffer than anything else. We have to, as a church, learn how to think about and deal with and move through death and suffering in life. It will take six weeks to get there. Today, we're not talking about the details of suffering as much as we're talking about the contrast of suffering and hope. Paul says there's a contrast between present suffering and future hope. That's what we're going to try to deal with today. And Paul said, I have considered it and come to a conclusion. The word consider, again, wasn't the New Testament wasn't written in English. It was written in a language called Koine Greek. And the word the apostle Paul used was the word legazomai. Here's what this word means. It means to come to a carefully calculated and well thought out conclusion. It is the Greek word we get the English word logic from. Paul said over three decades of life and ministry and following Jesus, after 30 years, Paul said, here is not what I feel, here is what I believe. I believe the sufferings we go through here are worth what they teach us about Jesus and one day who he will be to us in eternity. Paul said, I have calculated it. I've considered it. I've done all the math. I've talked to everyone. 30 years of experience tells me this is my belief, not my feeling, my belief that our present sufferings are worth our future hope. Now, we believe this in other areas of life. I grew up in the late 80s and the early 90s. You already saw the graphic on the screen when if you went to work out in a gym, somebody was wearing a shirt that said no pain, no gain. We had these on the back of one of the years that I played football, our football shirts for the year. You've probably been to a gym where this is painted on the wall. And this is a reality. I mean, this is a reality in physical fitness. If you don't break your muscles down and get sore, you will never get stronger. This is a physical Reality In the year 2010, some millennial added a K and a W, and they thought, hey, I'll change it around, but it's really the same truth. And they, they put this, that to know pain is to know gain. Only if you go through something that really hurts will you experience real gain. We know this is true for people who work out physically. Paul is saying this is true spiritually. The question is that, are you willing to lean in if that's, if that's the reality spiritually? If this is true spiritually... That unless you know pain, unless you know suffering, if it's true spiritually, that unless you know trouble and struggle that you cannot grow, are you still in? Still want to grow? Still want to follow Jesus? Because that's what Paul is saying. Paul said, I have learned over 30 years of life and ministry, there is no spiritual growth without some pain involved, but the pain is worth the growth. If that's the reality, are you still in spiritually? Paul said, I've come to that reality and I'm okay with that. Are you okay with that? Because what we're going to learn is how we see suffering 
How we grow from suffering radically impacts our story. Personally, it impacts our story and how we experience who Jesus is. And it radically impacts how people see our faith. They watch Christians who are suffering to see if we really believe what we say we believe. And the rest of today's message shows us how to accept suffering as a means to grow. Here's what Paul will say as we continue through Romans 18. He'll say, truth number two, you need to learn that things that make you groan spiritually can be things that work for good spiritually. Paul said, you'll realize that things that make you groan spiritually can be things that work for good spiritually. Truth number one, present suffering is worth future glory. Truth number two, things that make us groan spiritually can be things that work for good spiritually. Paul says, first, let me give you an illustration of how this works. Let me show you a picture of how somebody else experiences suffering so you'll see what yours should look like. But he doesn't turn us to a person. He turns us to the earth. Look what he says about creation in Romans 18 verses 19 through 22. Paul says, for the creation, speaks of creation like a person. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. What is Paul teaching us here? Here's what Paul's teaching us in these short four verses that we just read. Paul is telling us that the world is broken and that the world is groaning, but that pain has purpose in life spiritually. Paul says, look at the world. It's broken and it's groaning. We all feel its groans, but that has purpose spiritually. And we need a little bit of the backstory to understand the illustration correctly. Say, how is the world broken? As we look into scripture, we learn letter A, that Adam and Eve's sin broke the world. In the beginning, God created a heavens. He created an earth that would serve all the needs that humanity had. But God told Adam and Eve, if you want to do things your own way, you can, but it will turn everything upside down. Down. I've created everything perfect. The world will serve you and always take care of you if you follow me. And they chose we'd like to do things our own way. And they, they broke the world. So that's a big statement, I know, but they broke the world. Uh, last week on opening day, I have a friend who I won't name, but he's sitting in the second row over here who went to the Royals opening day. But he's not a Royals fan, he's a Cardinals fan. And he sent me and another friend uh, of mine at our church a text that morning. And he said, I'm trying to figure out what to wear to opening day. And he had in it a three, three pairs of Cardinal socks that he was going to wear in protest as a Cardinals fan that his company was making him host some people at Royals opening day. And he said, which pair should we wear? And we sent all kinds of things over why he should never wear any and why my God want, might want him to go to hell if he did that. I mean, it was like, it was a lot of, a lot of kind of friendly banter. Um, he go, I don't know which pair he picked. He went to the game and about two hours into the rain delay on opening day, he texted us a wet, soggy picture from his seat and said, look what you guys are missing. And I texted him back and I said, listen, sometimes when it rains, it's because God is crying. And today he's crying because you wore those socks to the game. So really, this is your fault, not his fault. You say, Christian, do you really believe that? No, I don't believe that. But I grew up in the 90s watching Saturday Night Live every Saturday before I went to bed. And one of the things that I loved about Saturday Night Live, there was a comedian by the name of Jack Handy who had these quotes that were so stupid They were silly, and they would air them like right before they went to commercial. And then we'd all talk about them every Monday, like at study hall, um, you know, around the table. Simple, silly quotes like these. This is one of my favorites. Some people are like slinkies. 
They don't really have a purpose, but they still bring a smile to your face when you push them down the stairs. Like just like just random, <laughs> random stupid things like that. Another one of my favorite Jack Handy quotes that makes you think, I can picture in my mind a world without war and a world without hate. And I can picture us attacking that world because they never expect it. Like this is... <laughs> There are hundreds that you can do. And one of them was sometimes when it's raining, you know, I like to tell a child, sometimes it rains because God is sad. And today he's sad because of something you did. So I thought about that and I sent it over to Zach. He said, do you really believe that? No, that's, that's certainly an overstatement. But it's not an overstatement to say that Adam and Eve broke the world. Like that's true spiritually. They broke the world. In Genesis 3, 17 and 18, after their sin, here's what God said about the world that they had broken. He said, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it. All the days of your life, it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. This world that was supposed to serve you is now going to be a burden for you. It's going to make things hard on you. Every now and then I'll talk to someone and say, could I really be a Christian? Is there going to be anyone in heaven who's done anything worse than me? And I say, yes, Adam and Eve broke the world. That's way worse than anything you were going to do. They broke the world. But even in that, there is purpose. Even in the painful reality that Adam and Eve broke the world, God said there's purpose. Because letter B, God, Paul says God cursed the creation so that it would testify to us about hope. God broke it. He cut it off from its ability to serve us naturally so that it would testify, so that it would become a great evangelist of hope. You say, well, what, what does the world testify about? Like the tale of two cities. The world testifies about the best of times and the worst of times. Paul said, creation at its worst groans the sin of man. In Romans eight twenty two, he said, all of creation has been groaning That it is broken. You say, what do the groans of earth look like? Listen, you have heard them. They look like tornadoes. They look like blizzards. They look like drought. They look like hurricanes. They look like floods. Anytime creation turns on man, it wasn't created to do that. It was created to support man. Anytime creation is kind of roaring against humanity, those are the groans of its brokenness. This week in the Activate podcast, I kind of take you through a trip to Joplin that I took in May of 2011 and some soul searching I had to do for several weeks of God. How could you you allow this for God to help me understand? This is not the world I created. I didn't create a world full of tornadoes. I created a a heavens and an earth that would serve humanity. They broke it. These are just signs that the world is broken. They should cause you to want something greater. Creation is a great evangelist that we need God to fix things. That's creation at its worst. Scripture also talks about creation at its best. Psalm 19.1 says that the heavens declare the glory of our God. Psalm 19.1 said, the skies proclaim his work. A sunset on vacation, your last day at the beach, uh, a, a cloudless night up in the mountains when you can see what looks like millions of stars, uh, a beautiful sunrise or sunset. Those moments that make your heart feel like God is in control. God said, I allow you to see the worst and the best of creation so you would have this longing and desire for the best and to know that things were created to be better than they currently are because of sin. It's a picture of the gospel. 
God said, I allow you in life to witness all of the brokenness of sin and I allow you to witness the beauty of Jesus so that you will have this desire away from sin and towards Jesus. You say, what does it look like to wait on Jesus in a broken world? Letter C, Paul tells us, to look at creation's posture. Because he said creation shows us a picture of how we should wait for God. Creation's posture is this picture of what we should look like in seasons of brokenness, in times of suffering, in weeks of trouble. Here's how the Christian should respond. In Romans eight nineteen. Paul said, even though creation is broken, it waits with eager expectation. If you have a Bible open, you might underline these two words, eager expectation. That is a word picture in the Greek language that is a little kid standing on their tippy toes at a parade waiting for their favorite float or character to come by. That's the picture of that, that phrase, eager expectation, is a little kid on their toes trying to see their favorite part of a parade. My son will turn 18 this summer. It's hard to believe because I remember, I remember like yesterday when he was two or three. Uh, and when Danielle and I um, were a young married couple, Christian was two, we went to a, a church conference in California and while we were there, we'd never been Disney people. We realized like just 10 miles from our hotel was Disneyland. And we thought we should take Christian to Disneyland. So we took him on an afternoon off to Disneyland. Um, and we learned at that moment that we really didn't want to go back a lot because it wasn't for parents pushing strollers. However, um, what we learned during the parade is like a moment that's burned in my mind forever. Um, because in the afternoons, they have these parades where all the characters come by, and we were kind of sitting on the curb. Christian, at that point in his life, um, had switched from watching Nemo every day of his life to watching Toy Story every day of his life. He probably watched it 500 times without exaggeration, and Buzz Lightyear was his man. Like, Buzz Lightyear was his guy. The pajamas, the Halloween costume, um, the doll, the, the action figure, Buzz Lightyear was his guy. And here come Minnie and Mickey and Pluto and Goofy and all the Disney people down the road. And we're kind of sitting on the curb. Christian's half asleep. And, and then comes Buzz Lightyear, like a full-sized walking action figure, Buzz Lightyear walking down the street. And my two-year-old little son, who's, uh, whose cheeks were flushed, who was nearly asleep, holding his blanket, stood up from the curb. And like, you can see it, right? I mean, you can see the light in his eyes. And he looked at Buzz and he looked at us and he looked at Buzz and he looked at us. And it was like... It's, it's him. He's, he's here. He's, he's right there. And he stood up from the curb and he started like following him down the road. We're like, no, you're, you're not allowed to go. But the light in his eyes was like, it's him. He's here. And Paul said, that's how creation waits for God to return. It stands up on its tiptoes. And when it sees a beautiful sunrise, it thinks, he's, do you see him? He's coming. And when it sees a beautiful sunset, it stands up on its tiptoes and said, do you, do you see God, God is coming to fix this mess? And when it has a, a, a beautiful day at vacation, looking at the ocean waves rolling in and out, it stands up on its tiptoes and creation says, do you see God? He's coming back. The reality check Paul's trying to get us to undergo is this. Is this what suffering does for your spirit? Does suffering make you stand up on your tiptoes and say, I know God is coming back? Because the key question of this message is this, does suffering make you question God or yearn for God? Does suffering make you think God can't be caring, God can't be loving, God can't be real? Or does suffering prove to your soul 
that God is coming back and he's created you for something more. We've got a whole series coming this fall on suffering and I can't wait to get to it and here's why. The devil is in too many heads and hearts of Christians who are walking away from the faith when life gets hard because they see suffering as a sign that God was never there instead of as a sign that he's coming back to fix this. So we're going to dig into this this fall. And maybe this is exactly what you need for your life. Paul said creation teaches us how we're supposed to handle suffering. Look at verses 23 through 25. Paul says, not only so. Here's what he means by it. Not, not just creation. Not just creation should respond to difficult times like this, but us too. Not only so. Not just creation, but, we are, but us too. We ourselves. Who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. We got saved because we hoped Jesus would fix broken things. But hope that is seen is no hope at all who hopes for what they already have. As Paul says, we, we, we came to Christ because we wanted him to fix our brokenness. That was our hope. But we haven't realized it yet. So do we still have hope or do we lose hope? He said, if we hope for what we don't have yet, we wait for it patiently on tiptoes. Paul said, we, we groan too. As Christians, we groan specifically when the promises of Scripture are not the reality of our lives yet. We groan. We groan deeply. But we trust the first fruits. So what are the first fruits? The first fruits are the first part of the Spirit of God that's been deposited into your heart at salvation. And actually, the first fruits bring greater sensitivity to hurt, greater sadness to sin, greater suffering during the hard moments of life, which means if you suffer when things go wrong, that's actually a sign that you have the Spirit of God in you. Groaning is proof of the Spirit. Scripture says the Spirit is the guarantee of the promises, and when the promises are not yet fulfilled or the absolute opposite of the promises happen, I give, and it is not given back to me, pressed down, shaken together in good measure. Our spirit says, when we try to follow the promises and they don't happen, our spirit says, that's not right. Our spirit says, that's not right. But it says that without losing hope and perspective. Because that phrase, that's not right. That's just half of the story for the Christian. See, suffering and sadness are spiritual emotions. They're spiritual emotions that understand two things. Suffering and sadness are spiritual emotions. They come from the Spirit of God that understands two things. Number one, a world filled with brokenness is wrong. Most of you get to this point in the story, but then Satan has torn the second half of the book out. Because suffering and sadness are spiritual emotions that understand two things. One, a world filled with brokenness is wrong. But number two, a world without brokenness is coming. Do you see it? See, this, this is what Paul is trying to say. So creation teaches us that a world that's broken is wrong. And it should cause such heartache, but without losing hope. Paul teaches that a marriage that is broken is wrong and should cause such heartache, but without losing hope. See, the Christian story is two parts. A world filled with brokenness is wrong, but a world without brokenness is coming. So we stay on our tiptoes and we think, do we see it yet? And every now and then we do. Every now and then when a hurt is healed, we see it. Every now and then when a marriage is restored, we see it. Every now and then when a friend who doesn't know Jesus makes a decision to respond to the gospel, we see it. Every now and then God blesses when we pray in miraculous ways. Every now and then we get a glimpse. Paul says, stay on your tiptoes. Because suffering 
God put the idea in your heart that suffering was wrong. But it was the first part of a two-part idea that a world without suffering is coming. And don't lose sight of that or you miss the whole story. Suffering is a reaction of your soul that you believe deeply in a better world. Because you believe deeply in a better Savior. And you stay on your tiptoes looking for it. Paul says at least the Spirit does when you don't. Paul said you look at suffering in your life and you should be saying to yourself and others, listen, I'm sure he's coming. Jesus is coming. I can see glimpses of him. I know he's coming. Just just don't lose hope. He's coming. Paul said if you don't say that, the Spirit will inside of you. In verses 26 through 29, he leads us through this beautiful picture of what the Spirit does. In verses 19 through 22, he said, here's how creation does it. In verses 23 through 25, he said, here's how you should do it. But he said, even if you don't, here's what the Spirit will do for you. In the same way, the Spirit will help us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. We don't even know how to pray. We haven't learned enough theology to pray. God, I know the world is broken, but it's Adam and Eve's fault, and I know you're going to work it one day. But just the groan in our spirit shows that we know that. Like intrinsically, we know the world should not be broken. But the Spirit helps us not to forget that one day it will be restored. Because he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Paul says suffering and difficulty is going to do two things in your life that are going to be good spiritually. Number one, they're going to help you look at things like Jesus looks at things. You'll no longer be surprised when you see brokenness. You'll still be sad, but you'll see things like Jesus sees them and you'll think this world is broken, but maybe my life, maybe my story can have impact on this broken world. This world's broken. It's not right. God certainly intended for better. But then number two, suffering and difficulty, they make us look like Jesus. Because we cannot understand what Jesus went through for us until we suffer, sometimes at the hands of others. And then we can realize that's what love looks like. And we begin to see the reality of the world is that it's broken and that's not right. But our hope, just like Jesus, is that if we will keep living towards the Father... We will one day see a world that is fixed the way we think it needs to be fixed. See, your story is proof of what we've learned today. Your story is proof. If you're a Christian, every time you go through suffering in life, your natural spiritual response should be, this isn't right, but don't stop halfway. Your response should be, this isn't right, but one day Jesus will come and make all things right. So I better stay close to him. Paul said, I'm going to leverage my suffering. I'm going to leverage my groans. To work for good spiritually. Paul said creation leverages its groans. To work for good spiritually. The question today is will you learn how to leverage the groans? Will you learn how to get to the end of the story? Will you let the groans say this isn't right. But let the spirit whisper in your ear. But a world's coming where God will make all things right. Because if you will tell the rest of the story to yourself. Your life and your story will tell a wonderful story to the world about who Jesus is because here's the reality. He's coming back. And if you get up on your tiptoes, sometimes you can see him. And the light in your eyes should tell everyone around you, listen, he's coming back. Trust me, he's coming back. 
I've read the story. I know the parade route. I know who's in it. He's, he's going to pass by soon. Stay on your tiptoes looking for Jesus. Suffering is nothing more than binoculars that let you look a little further ahead to the future to believe that Jesus is there and he's coming back. If you are suffering today, hang in there. If you know Jesus, you're heading to a world where that suffering will disappear. If you're struggling today, hang in there. Because if you keep looking for Jesus, sooner than later, I believe he's going to walk around the curb. If you're in trouble today, hang in there. Because God sees your trouble and he's created a better world in eternity where there is none of what you're struggling with today. But you have to press to know Jesus so his kingdom can come and his will can be done in your life today. Just like it will be done one day there. We pray with me this morning. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed, but hearts are open. You ask God today to speak to you about your suffering and to give you hope. What did he say? Did your suffering today make you yearn for God or does your suffering make you question God? Be honest. Because both are right answers. If your suffering and your struggle and your trouble makes you question God, you are on the right track because it's the spirit in you that says this isn't right just don't stop halfway through the story because a world filled with brokenness is wrong it's God who tells you that not you who tell him that but a world without brokenness is coming and you have to keep reminding yourself of that it is the reason we keep pressing into Jesus if you're here and you're suffering today Would you ask God to give you hope? To give you belief? To help you like a kid at a parade, get on your tiptoes with eager expectation that he's coming back. And things may be bad now, but he's coming back because he sees them. He didn't create a world filled with suffering and brokenness. We did that, but he promised to fix it. Would you ask him for hope? If you know someone who is suffering and drifting from God because of suffering, would you let them know that the Holy Spirit is the thing in their heart that's hurting, but that they've only heard half the story? And the answer is to come back, not go away. God, we know if we live long enough and learn deeply enough the promises of the Bible that at some point what we experience in life will not match yet what the Bible promises and we'll suffer. God, let that suffering build into us an internal hope that you're coming back and you're going to fix things and let it build into us an eternal hope that you will make all things right, not just for a day, but for forever. And let us learn to lean into Jesus while we eagerly await, like kids on their tiptoes, to see Jesus show up in our life. God, we love you. That's our prayer this morning. Help us to see Jesus in our suffering. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Mike.